I'm Dr. Amy Robbins, and welcome to Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and medium, and here we explore life, death, consciousness, and what it all means. Today, I have Lynn K. Russell on the show. Lynn is a world expert on near-death experiences. She has researched 2,500 cases for Dr. Jeffrey Long at Near Death Experience Research Foundation. She has spent many years as a counselor. Lynn has a new book out called The Wonder of You, What the Near Death Experience Tells Us About Yourself. Aside from spirituality, she has a keen interest in quantum theory, cosmology, the brain, and consciousness. Welcome, Lynn. Thank you for having me. So we have a few guests in a row here. My guest last week, uh, we also sort of talked about this notion of, okay, so we know a lot about near-death experiences, but how can that help us in our own lives? I mean, it seems clear that there's a lot of people out there who have had these experiences. So can you start out by telling us what makes your book a little bit different than the other near-death experience books out there? Sure. Um, Well, when I first started doing the um, research, I was interested in what happened after death. But after a while, that got a little repetitious, but I was really more fascinated with the deeper messages that were coming back from from the beyond. And uh, so that's what my book is primarily about, is what happens after the near-death experience and what are the deep, deep messages, spiritual messages that people are bringing back. Oh, okay, so let's talk about some of the tenets in the book because I, I went through the book and I kind of picked out the ones that I felt were the most helpful, but... If you think there's other ones, we could talk about that too. But I thought these were important in terms of encouraging people's growth. So the first thing that I kind of pulled out was this notion of purpose. Um, But I think that this can be a real catch-22 for people because it can leave people feeling frustrated if they feel like they don't have purpose or they're not on their purpose So and they don't know where to start. So how do you see purpose and how did this message how did this message kind of come through in in all your research well the purpose um we sometimes get purpose mixed up with goal and i'm talking spiritually and not just every day um so we all have a purpose our purpose is to simply be to experience life and to just get in there and do all we can that's our purpose because through our existence here we are perpetually giving back to the source and so source is experiencing as we experience because we are one with the source and so there is no separation whatsoever and so anything we do goes back to the source so that everybody has a purpose now different people have different goals and that that's quite a different thing but Usually what happens is that we will find ourselves being interested in a particular goal or a particular subject or area of 
of interest that we just are guided towards. Uh, for example, some people are more interested in music and they become musicians or other people become scientists and etc. you know And so those are are our goals that we have set up before we come into this life and uh, that is that is set up before through our, our guides or sorry with our guides to our souls and so we will be guided towards that what I find is that most people are working so hard to find out what their goal is and they're probably already living it and being it so we need to you know not work quite so hard so, okay, so you're really differentiating the two. And goals feels sort of like the everyday job, whatever it is, but purpose is the larger picture of yeah. sort of like mindfulness, I would say. Yes. And goal doesn't necessarily mean, yes, I would, yes, mindfulness is a good example of purpose. Yes, purpose is an automatic thing that comes with being, simply being a lot. And the goal, um, not everybody is working on their goal. It isn't necessarily related to their career. It's, ne- it's related to the things that are of most interest to them and the things that they find themselves doing over and over and over again. So if you're drawn to something and you're doing it over and over and over again, but it doesn't fulfill you, does that mean it's not your goal? Does it mean? Usually, if you're drawn to it and you're doing it repeatedly, then it is you are, you will find that you're you're being fulfilled while you're doing it. Um, I, I don't think that I've heard of anybody who is really doing their goal that doesn't enjoy it, um, and it might be something as simple as being a mother or a father, and, and you know that's it, that's their goal uh, to raise a good family. Mm-hmm. Or it it may be something major like being a prince or a queen or something, you know, or or a movie star. It uh, so it just it can be anything from the smallest thing that we we ignore. It it may even be that it it's something you say to somebody who helps them through their life or gives them a completely different direction to go in their life. So it's not necessary, but it's usually we're guided in the goal that we are going to be, you know, that we should do. And so in the book, you also talk about responsibility and freedom. And you say, Mm -hmm. we look at lives and ask, is this it? Is there nothing more to life. We are born, grow up, make a living and die. In between, we're saddled with debt and problems. And I, th- I think a lot of people, frankly, feel this way. And it's kind of grim and mm-hmm. depressing. But what, yeah. do, what do NDEs teach us about responsibility and freedom? Uh, what what we I have learned from that is that it doesn't need to be that way, that we have far far more choice in our existence and in our in our life than we recognize we think that life happens to us that it's something that that we that 
We just have to put up with it and deal with it. And we don't recognize the role that we take into uh, responsibility and freedom in our lives and and making it different than what we are presently experiencing. Um, We think that things are just the way it's supposed to be, but there isn't a supposed to be. What we choose is what is supposed to be. So it's this notion of sort of co-creating your life. Yes, yes, exactly. And and that makes sense just at this physical level. If you think about it, the choices that we make just determine the direction of our lives. And uh, so if we if we make better choices and do, you know, and think things through a little better than, than just reacting emotionally, then we're going to have a better outcome. But the other thing is that I think that people don't recognize that responsibility and freedom are the exact same thing. They're not two different things. And I used to think that they were. I thought responsibility was this big, heavy thing that was on my shoulders and I had to be responsible. But that's not true. That's a myth because responsibility is your freedom and you can't have responsibility without freedom and you can't have freedom without responsibility. Can have responsibility without freedom. I need to think about this for a minute. And you can't have freedom <laughs> without responsibility. Yeah. Hmm. And I need to chew on that a little bit more. Yeah, they're linked together. Um, when I was a child, I was assessed as retarded. Oh, sorry. They don't use that word anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry. Um, so mentally slow. And um, it wasn't until years later that I was taking courses uh, on psychology and and was reading a psychology book. And all of a sudden, this came to me and I realized that that responsibility and freedom that when my family was making decisions for me because they didn't think I had the mental capacity to do so, that, that, that they were taking away my freedom. Mm-hmm. They didn't do it on purpose. They, were, they thought that that's what they needed to do. So mm-hmm. I can understand that. But, but they, they did take away my freedom in that process. Gotcha. So so it's really sort of about us taking back that freedom. Like we've probably everybody in the course of their life has probably felt like at some point they had something taken from them. Yes. And and we really do have a role. The only thing that we don't have any um, control over is other people's actions. Mm-hmm. But we do have a control over how we perceive that and how we how we deal with it. And so when you talk about knowledge in your book, um, one of the things I think that that is always a question for me is that when people kind of co- when people come to this world, this current material world that we're living in, mm-hmm. that they lose knowledge of other realms, right? Like the unique part about a near-death experience is that people remember at least what what I talked about last week was they remember sort of the lobby of this other realm. They they might not know all the rooms, but they remember kind of stepping in and stepping out. Uh Why do we, why do you think we aren't supposed to remember this? Like what do you attribute it to? Why when we come Um, here, we lose this knowledge? Yeah, yeah. And that that is frustrating for a lot of people, and I can understand that. But in actuality, 
if we were able to remember, life here would be very, very difficult. It would be more difficult than it already is. Um, I think that we deliberately lose that so that, A, we can grow back to the source, because if we knew we were source already, then it would make it more difficult. But the other thing, we would want to be home. We would want to get back there. That's what we, and, and that happens with many, many people who have had death experiences will say, well, what am I supposed to do so I can get back here? <laughs> And uh, so the lighter or where their guides or whatever they're told, no, that doesn't, that's not the way it works. So um, they they have to go back with amnesia and they do, many times they don't remember big sections of their, of their death experience. They'll remember the, the main points, but there's things that they won't remember at all because they just shouldn't. But then we also don't, we don't remember or have the experience of death being okay, which I think is unfortunate. Like, I think we, we spend a lot of time in our life fearing and trying to do everything in our power to avoid death. Yeah. yeah but if we yeah. knew that death was okay, wouldn't that be able, like, if even we just knew that, like in our, and I know that some people do and they really believe wholeheartedly that when you die, um, your body, your body dies, but your soul doesn't. But if we, if everybody really believed that it would, it would monumentally probably shift the way that we are living in the material world. So yeah, I wonder if, um, if we're not going through, um, a what do I call it? Like a, that this isn't pre-planned somehow, uh, that we are remembering through, uh, you know, like a, this, at the soul level, that this isn't pre-planned because all of a sudden we're having, you know, all of these people having death experiences and coming back and being able to share their experience with us and tell us that death is okay. So those people do remember their their a lot of what's happened, but a lot of the people who have had death experiences, a lot of them come back here um, with pieces missing. That's what I was meaning. Mm -hmm. So they, but they still know that, yeah, death is a good thing. <laughs> and so, but the other thing is, I'm afraid, I think that maybe how many people would commit suicide if they knew that, that it was okay. You know, um, I, I think that there would be a concern about that because hmm. we wouldn't want to stay here. If we, if we knew that everything was okay, well, we can just get rid of this life. Then I think we wouldn't stay here. Except that your soul has to, but even in knowing that, what we also, I feel like know is that our soul needs to continue to grow and evolve. And That's right. suicide yeah. is a way I'm actually, I have someone coming on in a couple of weeks to talk about suicide, but that yeah. suicide is not necessarily, it might be a way out from this current life, but not a way out from the overall existence of your soul. That's, that's, that's right. Yes, that's right. But, but the point really is that, that, as you've said, we need to learn and grow and experience and be. And we wouldn't if we remembered. And that's the main point is that we would not be able to function and to learn and grow if we knew everything. 
So can you talk a little bit to us today about fear-death experience? Because this was a totally new term for me. Yeah, it's a fun thing. I think it's 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 rather it's sort of like a miracle because what happens with fear-death experiences is that people are having, they're in the middle of an accident and all of a sudden they're not. It's just, it's, it's unexplainable. Um, and I do know one man, and he's in my book, um, and he uh, was in the middle of an accident and this, the whole place, he saw himself heading for this tree and he knew this was it. And there was this white light that suddenly came into the room or into the car and he felt arms wrapped around him and he the accident happened and he walked away with not a scratch nothing another one was a man who was heading for uh, i think it was a truck and he knew that he was going to be hitting this this accident was happening and there was no out of it and all of a sudden he's not there anymore he's at a stoplight down the road <laughs> things like that that's the fear death experience what we're calling fear death experience because sometimes it's automatic like this one fellow with the light he didn't have any death experience in between that but some of them will have a full death experience and then still find themselves at a light in the same car and there's no accident didn't happen so um it's it's a big big question that nobody knows but that's i put it in there because it's fascinating is it is it sort of like divine intervention in that way or like uh, how because- I wonder yeah I think so. I think there is. I think that, that that we're not, we have a goal and we're supposed to accomplish that goal and we haven't done it and we can't, it needs to be done within this lifetime, not another lifetime. And so I think that, that there is an intervention that happens there. And when you say, so the fear death experience dif- is different because I guess I'm confused. The person doesn't have that physical death right they're just like it's like they're catapulted like across the time where they would have like the person is about to hit the tree they don't hit the tree and or they hit the tree but they're a lot like totally walk out of that unscathed versus they actually do hit the tree they have all these internal injuries, they die, they go up, they, you know, see their loved ones, they experience the love, all of that, then they come back into a physical body. And that physical body is then kind of wounded. That's sort of the difference. Uh, well, no, they wouldn't have the they wouldn't have the injuries and die. Right they, for they the fear death, have, they wouldn't. Right? Yeah, they would have a, a death. They might go to the other side, but their bodies are still fine. They never do have the accident. So that's why the fear, because we we're so frightened that that we we die, and then we come back. That person doesn't um, doesn't die, doesn't have a death experience. They 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 may find themselves on the other side, but then they're right back in their body again. But they don't have the the difference. I guess what I'm trying to differentiate is that there's no physicality to it. Like they they might kind of spiritually cross over and come back. I guess, yes. but that yes. they they don't have that experience of being physically wounded or 
That's right. That's right. Yes. And gotcha. it's strange. I mean, it, yeah, yeah. And, and they should have, they should have, uh, the car should have been damaged while well, with the, with the fellow that had the light in his car, the car was total. But most of the time these things happen, they're, there was one fellow with a motorcycle. He was heading for, he was in the country lane, and there was a series of post boxes and on poles um, at the side of the road, and he was heading for those those poles, and he knew this was it. And the next thing you know, he's on the other side, and he's there's the car. His motorcycle was fine, and he was fine, and that shouldn't have happened. You know, there should have been some some accident happened and it didn't. Hmm. Wow. And yeah. is this common? So, like, did you find a lot of people who reported No, this? there's not a, not a lot of fear death experiences, but you can find them if you go to NDERF um, and then just in the search engine, go to uh, fear death experiences and they'll come up for you and you can read a number of them. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So let's, Let's let's shift a little again and talk about consciousness manifestations. So yeah. what what let's what is that exactly? I know there's a okay. few we can kind of talk about because you kind of go through some of them. What was exciting for me about that was we we have learned more and more through science and and other ways, that, and it's been talked about for centuries through the Eastern philosophies that that consciousness is the base of our connection to source and connection to the being that that's and that the soul i mean uh, sorry the universe we is conscious that there's a consciousness within the universe that we are connected to Mm -hmm. so my point with the conscious manifestations and back to what i'm talking about with purpose and responsibility and freedom that we we can choose and so consciousness was just an illustration of how um, the conscious manifestations was an illustration of how we're using our consciousness right here in this world existence in, in ways that we don't recognize and that we haven't stopped to think about it in that way. For example, people who have multiple personalities or um, stigmata is, I love stigmata because that's so obvious, and prayer and positive thought and how it affects others and placebos. Those are things that happen, and yet there they are, and we know that they're coming from consciousness. You know, and so it's a good illustration of how consciousness can manifest in in our everyday life if we allow it to be. And you talk about plants and animal consciousness. Can you expand on that? I actually have my next week's show after you is going to be an animal communicator. So I feel like it might dovetail Uh, nicely with that. Yes, it was amazing that that plants, plants have got way more consciousness than we ever imagined. Um, We, I mean, we didn't realize that they were even, that they could even communicate, but they care about us. They they can protect each other. They can work out problems. I'm talking plants, and um, and they they have memories, and they can p- p- remember a person who did wrong to them. So that that's amazing for a plant. How did um, you how did you discover that? Like how do you sh- prove that? Well. 
There, well, there's a lot of research on plants now. Um, in the beginning, <clears throat> excuse me, it was it, it was started with a fellow in um, I can't remember his name right now, but I have it in my book. Sorry, I can't remember his name. <laughs> but anyway, he was with the FBI, and he was the polygraph guy. He was the person who put the 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 electrodes on the individuals and would ask the questions. Well, I guess he must have been having a slow time. And so he put a polygraph on a leaf of a plant and then he thought about burning the plant, starting the plant on fire. Mm -hmm. And the polygraph just went nuts. Well, he didn't expect that. He didn't know that there would be a reaction. And so that's when he uh, realized that, wait a minute, there's something more going on here. And so that's why he, and then since then, that was back in the 70s, 60s, 70s, around there. And um, since then, there's been tons of experiences and, and research and, and things going with plants and their their abilities. And find horn, which is F-I-N-D, horn, H-O-R-N, is a place in Scotland, northern Scotland, that sends these love messages to their plants and they have oranges i mean um or uh, tomatoes they're as large as their heads maybe more they have cabbages that are as big as a man you could hide behind them <laughs> they're mm. so big you know they're just enormous and it's because they're sending love messages to these these giant vegetables and that's what's helping uh, them to grow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And the, the plants just love it. You know, they just mm -hmm. respond. And this is what happens if they get these giant vegetables. You can go online and look um, up find horn images and you'll see the plants and the, and the, the um, vegetables that they get from them. That a carrot can be six feet tall. Wow. I mean, I mean, it makes, it makes a lot of sense, right? Like if the, if the main message is always love, 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 love. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And we're sending yeah. that then anything that we send it to in theory should grow. Right? Like yes, we know yes, humans right. grow better when they're loved. Yes. <laughs> so. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. It's fascinating. So, I love yeah. it. <laughs> so what, what would you say is your the biggest takeaway from your book? Well, my biggest takeaway is to understand that we are far more amazing than we ever give ourselves credit for being. Mm -hmm. We are absolutely fantastic and we can we can accomplish way more than we give ourselves credit for. Most of us go to school, get our career and that's pretty well it. Um, but we need to challenge ourselves and we need to trust ourselves too, that we have got far more in, within us than we give ourselves credit and, and that we can accomplish a great deal. I love that. Well, Lynn, if people want to find you or learn about your book, where can they, where can they do that? Um, well, the book is on Amazon and it's on a number of other different um, outlets, uh, book outlets in the in the world. So um, they can order anywhere that there's Amazon, you can order. But um, it's Barnes and Noble and it's a number of other uh, distributors. So it should be in, book, in bookstores as well. And the book is called The Wonder of You, What the Near-Death Experience Tells You About Yourself. Yes, 
yeah. And and do you do you have a website or anything or just? No, I, I had a website, but it got corrupted. So okay. I am getting a new one, and I've got somebody else coming over to help me do that. And um, But if you just Google my name, Lynn K. Russell, you have to say the K because there's a bazillion Lynn Russell. Right. Um, and so just Lynn K. Russell, and you'll you'll find me on, on the net. I'm on Facebook, and I'm on a bunch of other things, Twitter and so on. So I'm, I'm very accessible. Great. Well, thank you so much, Lynn, for your time today. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for the opportunity to chat. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. You too. Thanks. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Curious about what comes next and what it all means? You can subscribe on iTunes. Just go to podcasts and find life, death, and the space between and hit subscribe. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Amy Robbins. Ask me any questions you might have. Let me know what else you'd love to hear about or just share your story. I can't wait to hear from you.